Before we get going into your Hockey IQ podcast episode, I want to thank our sponsor, Rapid Shot. Rapid Shot is the smart shooting lane. Uh, it's like a batting cage for hockey players. Very cool. Tracks your shot in three ways. Accuracy, shot speed, and reaction time. Uh, easy to use. Uh, actually, I used it when I played and was growing up. Very easy. Simply scan your phone in, select your settings, and start shooting. Uh, you can see your stats on the app and online. And you can check them out at rapidshot.com. Uh, great small business. I actually grew up with one of the owner's sons and have played with all the family members by now. Uh, just in local pickups here in Ohio. Very cool local business. Awesome product. I love it. I know quite a few NHLers have them in their homes. Uh, a lot of D1 programs have it at their rinks. So you have to check this out. Rapidshot.com. Check it out. Rapidshot, thank you so much for sponsoring our podcast. On the Hockey IQ podcast today, we bring on Alex Bezerra, uh, someone who I actually, I feel like I got his last name right for once. So welcome to the podcast, Alex. Thanks, Craig. I appreciate it. Well, currently you are an assistant coach uh, with the Cyclones before that. Uh, you're up in Ontario for quite some years doing some great work uh, at many different levels. So excited to get you on and, and I want to just jump straight into it here. You had a really cool segment on Twitter where you had players designing their own drills for like that after practice professional uh, time. So I'm curious uh, to dive into that. Where did that come from? Is that something that you've done? If Was that something that came with the team? Uh, and why do you guys allow them to do that? You know, I thought practice time was supposed to be for the coaches. <laughs> well, I mean, ultimately, these guys are, are professionals and, and uh, you know, we're very fortunate or I'm very fortunate as a defense coach with the Cyclones. Like our decor is is arguably the best in our league. And, um, you know, we have guys on that team that have had individual and team success wherever they've played. Um, so the idea is actually uh, from the summer, uh, our veteran defenseman, our captain on the back end, Deshaun Mango and I uh, just kind of shooting uh the the word throughout the uh the summer you know about development and, and how can we uh you know integrate that more into what we do and, and sometimes it's hard in our league um the ECHL's for the most part weekend based but we do have games during the week and and once those Wednesday Thursday games get mixed into your schedule it's really tough to find time for player development and so the time to do that instead of, you know, having a Monday focused on skills uh, was to just kind of hit it 10 minutes at a time after practice and, and kind of leave it up to our guys to make a determination on what they saw throughout, you know, the weekend's games and what they want to work on uh, over the next week. And, and so it's been great so far. We've posted a couple of videos online. We've saved some of the videos just to, for the sake of saving up content for, for the entire season. But, try and keep it consistent and, and really the video, the idea of throwing the video out there um, is more so just understanding where I was at as a coach, you know, five or 10 years ago and getting started and, and really asking those questions of like, how do you get started? How do you get started with drills? How do you get started with player development? And, and what are the stuff that maybe your players are going to want to work on, whether they're professionals or junior players or minor hockey players, 
Um, we're very fortunate at the professional level to have the resources that we have, uh, especially with us, you know, with the Cyclones, we have you know, the Rochester American staff and the Buffalo Sabres staff were awesome and, and have helped us so much, uh, you know, over the last couple of years. Um, so we, we get to utilize those resources at the NHL and the American League level, but, you know, that John Smith, who's coaching a high school team in, in Ohio may not have the exact same resources. And so, putting those videos online and, and just allowing the average Joe hockey coach to have access to those is, is really important to myself. And, um, you know, it's been, it's been great for the guys. They enjoy it. They love, uh, you know, when I'm busting out the iPad or the iPhone on, uh, on the ice uh, after practice and they get to kind of strut their stuff. They, they get a little upset when we run out of characters and don't have enough uh, to post their name or, or their Twitter handle or Instagram on there. But um, hopefully with the uh, redesign of Twitter here, we can get a few more characters to help them out. Yeah, potentially. And uh, who knows, this might become like the, uh, was the Hartford Whalers where pretty much half the team uh, ended up going into management. Uh, I'm trying to remember all of the names, but there, there's so many like Hall of Famers or really high level coaches and executives in the NHL that all stemmed from, I'm kicking myself for not remembering the name here, but the guy, he's basically like, yeah, I'm just teaching and empowering my players. And then eventually, boom, they all ended up winning cups as players, execs, coaches. Like it was unbelievable. Maybe that's what's going to be the Cincinnati Cyclones here. We're, we're super fortunate to have the group we have. I That would not surprise me. Um, and it's conversations, you know, naturally, uh, again, within our league, these guys are, are not doing this to, to get rich at our level anyways. So, you know, they're for the most part, the guys that are in their mid thirties and uh, coming to maybe the end of their playing career, looking at what's next. And and so with a guy like Dijon Mingo or Justin Vive or Louis Caparuso, like these are all guys that are looking at, you know, what's next in hockey for them. And that would not, would not surprise me at all. So. Yeah. And, and there's something to be said about like teaching yourself or teaching your peers with being able to then play and like effectively take whatever you're trying to learn and actually apply it. Like if you're doing it and teaching it, like you, you better know your stuff and the exact reasons and you can start to see, okay, well maybe I can't do it as well as I thought because of these little pointers and you're teaching yourself. And uh, I got to imagine it only makes them better players by trying to teach someone else or even just teaching themselves. You know, Greg, the neat part about the team we have this year and, and Jason Payne's our head coach and, uh, you know, a good, very good friend of mine that I've known for a number of years from back in Ontario and, and obviously coaching together here. But we talked about it today at practice. It's just like there's this is just a different group. There's something different about them. We don't see it across the league, um, you know, whether it's a leadership thing or a culture thing. We haven't been able to put our finger on it just yet, but whether it's stuff we do in practice or, or even implementing something new into an older drill, um, you know, or, or going down two goals in a game or going up two goals in a game, like this team is just so level-headed and so bought into what's going on. Um, there, there's really, I mean, the ceiling is, is who knows how high, but it's a special group. Um, and that that makes our lives easy as coaches because we can have open and honest conversation about everything in game, out of game, in practice, out of practice, and uh, definitely makes practices real easy. So, yeah, I'm curious to dive into what are some of those things that have come up. I mean, obviously you have a group 
uh, and it seems like you and, and Jason are very open. So it's like, how does that leadership apply throughout the team dynamic as well? Because uh, it's it's got to be quite amazing. I mean, these guys are older than a lot of guys in the NHL, and they're, they're playing and loving it, but they also want to have an involvement and are probably looking towards, uh, what am I doing next? How am I preparing myself? Yeah, for sure. So the uh, the way our league works, we're allowed four veteran players in our lineup. Um, so this year we have Justin Vive, who's been the captain for the last number of years. Uh, Rick Vive's son, the former Leaf. Um, Justin is is Mister Cincinnati, and he's the kind of you know leader and the the almighty uh, you know lieutenant of of this team here. Um, and then Louis Caparuso, uh, former University of Michigan player and longtime player in Europe. Um, they run the, the forwards. They're the leadership group of the forwards. And Matt Barry has joined them as well. We picked up Matt Barry from Toledo, who's a phenomenal offensive player. And then we have Dijon Mingo, as I mentioned, on the back end. And, and those guys, um, you know, they kind of create this tiered system. And there's, there's Jason and I, and ultimately Jason has – things in mind that he wants to accomplish for our group every day. And the next level is them. And then the next level below them is, is everybody else. And having that open and honest communication between the tiers of, of, you know, call it organized structure, um, you know, makes things real easy. And, and so I'll give you a great example. Um, last year's team, Justin and Louie were our first unit penalty killers. Um, they were, you know, guys that were willing to go out and win faceoffs and block shots. Um, we utilized them as much as we possibly could, and they also play on the first power play unit. Um, they haven't touched the penalty kill this year in the first eight games, just because there's this, you know, understanding that there's other players on the team that can do that, and you know, they're veteran guys. They understand their role and and that they need other players to contribute as well. Um, but other than joking around about it here and there, it's never really talked about. It's just understood. This is a message that was passed along from the coaching staff to them. We don't need you guys on the penalty kill right now. And hopefully we don't need you there for the season. It's a lot of hard minutes. Um, and they are the two biggest cheerleaders off the bench for whoever ends up on the penalty kill. Um, so, you know, essentially having those guys, uh, you know, those four extra veteran guys and, and leaders and coaches on the bench every game makes life super easy for Jason and I. Yeah. It's always amazing when, when the leaders are able to look beyond their, their own minutes and own responsibilities. That's awesome. Uh, maybe what are some other things that have come up from the leaders or some things they wanted to try out? Uh, we've had some other folks that, on the podcast, um, like uh, ooh, last names, but Dom is his first name and he was with the Stockton Heat. And he was mentioning about how he had the players doing video sessions. Like rather than him doing it, he would just break them up into like small groups and they'd all talk about it or they talked about it as a big group, but it wasn't driven by them. So I'm curious if something like that's happened to you or just like some minor suggestions like, Hey, what about if we tried this in practice or warm ups or whatever that makes life easier for everyone? Yeah. And, and you, you had mentioned earlier. So, uh, both Jason and I are very open um, lines of communication with our players are, are always open 24 seven. And so those conversations happen every day. Um, you know, it could be something as small as, Hey, we saw this in this drill and we'd like to change it, or we'd like to, you know, do this a little more, do this a little less. Um, video is, is a, a huge part of what we do every day whether it's a pre-scout for whoever we're playing next or just reviewing 
you know, how our games went on the weekend. Um, but prior to putting those, those videos together, prior to putting those practices together, uh, the, the first conversation is always obviously Jason and my, and myself, the next conversation is with our leadership group. Um, you know, what do you guys think? What did you see anything from the weekend that, you know, we need to really focus on or anything with this upcoming team that we need to focus on. And so, uh, at the NHL level, at the American league level, those coaching staffs and development staffs are, you know, could be anywhere from half a dozen to two dozen people, uh, in our league, it's just Jason and I. And so when we bring those four veterans into the mix, or we bring, uh, you know, last year was Michael Hauser, who's a goalie with the Rochester Americans this year and played with Buffalo a little bit last year, uh, who is a part of that veteran group as well. Um, you know, to implement those players into your planning is, is super important and, and makes the day go by a lot easier. Um, there's also, you know, I think one of the scariest things for us as coaches is, is sitting there and wondering what your players are thinking and what's going on in the dressing room. Um, you know, maybe not so much at a minor hockey level, but definitely in, in high school or juniors or uh, here in pro, sometimes you get wondering, oh, you know, do the guys like practice or are they, you know, my little heart on them in a game? And, and so when you have that, the line of communication open like that, um, there's really no question marks. There's no room for negativity or gossip or whatever it may be. It's just, you know, they're honest with you and you can be honest with them. Yeah, that open and honest uh, has to go both ways. Obviously, the more that you're open with, like, I don't know, like, yeah, I'm still figuring that out. Like, I feel like, uh, and you've probably seen it, it just opens up the honesty right back at you as a coach where like, hey, if I don't know as a coach, like, you don't have to know every time as a player. And it just makes everyone feel a lot more comfortable and the more comfortable you are with it, the better you're going to perform because you're no longer like, I'm not going to raise my hand or speak up because I don't know over here. And when it comes to the time of truth, like, boom, oh, we don't know. And it's not getting done. Now it's everyone like, oh, hey, you know, help me with this. What do I need to do here? Uh, and it just creates this wonderful learning environment, uh, whether it be from a specific pure player development or just from like implementing team systems and being more effective working together. Uh, I'm assuming you've had similar interactions. Yeah. And again, like we're, we're very fortunate that this is our livelihood. Um, I think naturally when you get to the pro level, like this is our whole day is made up of these kind of conversa conversations and what we do on a day-to-day -day basis. But I can imagine, and, and I've lived it from a minor hockey standpoint in dealing with, you know, teenagers or high school or juniors or whatever it is, um, you're trying to kind of fit everything into one mold. Um, sometimes it's a little easier at the pro level than it is with, with the kids. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's still great to, to get everyone involved in general. Like I always think about when we have conversations, like, are we bringing in the, the key people early enough. Sometimes it's always too late. I've, I've seen that happen. Uh, and it, it usually needs to lean towards getting people into the conversation earlier rather than later. Cause uh, for, for my two cents is problems don't age well. They're, they're, they're not like fine wine. They're the exact opposite. It only gets worse. It's so true. And that, I think that goes for everything. Like uh, I, I, it's definitely, uh, you know, uh, major problem in, in hockey when it comes to players and coaches or coaches and coaches or coaches and management. But I, I think it's also based in every relationship in our lives, right? And that having that 
ability to just kind of get in front of your issues. And um, we've now gotten to a point with, with Jason and I and our players where you're kind of looking ahead. Um, you know, we have a couple injuries. We have some guys that may get called up. We have some guys that maybe want to get called up to the American League or the NHL that haven't earned that quite yet. Um, and so you're, you're able to have conversations to get in front of those issues because you have that open and honest communication as you would in, you know, a relationship, whether it's with a you know, or wife or husband or boyfriend or girlfriend, you can have that open line of communication and get in front of issues. You're probably in a much better position. Yeah. And it, it's so important even as like, for example, on a, a staff, uh, it's obviously easier when it's just two of you, uh, but even if you go further with the leadership group and all of that, just having clear expectations of here's what I expect and, and having those up front uh, definitely makes things operate smoothly and eliminates a lot of potential issues. If everyone knows this is my area, that's your area. Well, yeah, someone can give you like, Oh, Hey, you know, you tried this thought about this. Yeah. I was thinking about this and, and build from there, but just having clear lanes of sorts um, that we can all work in front work into uh, i think it's absolutely massive and I, I love how you're talking about like even with the leadership group like they know you know we got to bring these things up or talking about these things early and often um and just creates a good expectancy and you can go and execute without hesitation uh, on your roles and responsibilities yeah that's bang on and it's funny you mentioned this implementing new things um i think it was a couple of weeks back we were working with our power play units uh, after practice on the reverse bumper, the McDavid dry sidle reverse bumper and, and pulling video on that and pulling video on, you know, Tavares and Matthews. And um, I think it was Matt Barry, uh, again, one of our veteran forwards who came to us and was like, we love it. We love the implementation of this new stuff. And, and we're all in for, for this kind of stuff every day, but McDavid and dry don't play here. So the execution may not be the exact same. And I think when you, when you hear that from a, a 30 something year old guy that you're coaching, you're kind of like, well, he's bang on. He's, we see it. And, and from a coach's standpoint, we want to implement it. We think it's the coolest thing in the world. And we know that if we can execute on it at our level, it's, it's going to work out real nicely, but these guys have to live it. Um, these guys are in the game and these guys know what, you know, for the most part, what works and what doesn't, because they've played at this level for you know, 10 years. And, and so, um, again, just having them be able to have that conversation with you and not sit there and just nod their head and try it, even though they may not feel that it's going to work. That's, that's huge. Oh, and it, it's so true with uh, youth coaches too. They all see what's happening in the NHL and they're like, Oh, we'll just reverse this engineer back all the way to our level. And I'm like, I don't know how that's going to work out. Uh, those guys are a little talented, just a wee bit talented. Uh, and, and makes it really, it makes it look so simple and so easy. You're like, oh, yeah, anyone can do that. And then you go and try to do it yourself, let alone your players. And you're like, eh, maybe, maybe not. Maybe we need to teeter this back. Uh, and, and it's the same way with that. When I think about, you know, shipping the, the Hockey IQ podcast or newsletter, I'm like, whatever works it doesn't have to be long it doesn't need to be complicated just whatever works that's what we're going with what's effective rather than uh the fancy smancy and, and I, I always remember this is one of my first uh, epiphanies as a coach i'm like you go to war with the army you have not going to war with the army you wish you had and it's so true and it's like finding what works for your guys your gals whatever it is 
it's, it's so massive and how that should probably dictate uh, team systems more than the coach's desires. I, I'm going to have to steal that line from you at some point this year for sure. But and it's, it's funny you mentioned that like that's uh, for Jason and I, that was our mentality coming into this year. Um, I think it's one thing as a coach, especially for him as a head coach to sit there and, and implement systems uh, which is maybe the hardest thing for any coach, uh, it, probably in any sport, but definitely in hockey where it's, you know, this is the system I want us to play. Um, this is what I see in the NHL. This is what I think works. And then looking at your roster and thinking, is this going to work for our guys? Um, I'm sure you remember the one, three, one was a huge thing a few years back and Tampa had played it and everybody thought the one, three, one in the neutral zone was the most amazing thing in the world. And then you realize that, you know, those three guys in the middle play such a huge role and have to have this unbelievable talent to be, be able to hold people on their own half of center ice that not every team has guys that can do that. And, and so um, for us changing that mindset, it's funny you bring that up, but for us to be able to change that mindset as a coaching staff and worry about what do we believe our guys are actually capable of has probably led us to have the success that we've had early in the season here. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm loving this conversation uh, and all the coaching hacks uh, that we're getting into. And I, we'll even throw it out parents, you know, be easier on your kids. You know, it, it looks easy and should happen, but I, I don't know. It's a lot tougher. Uh, everyone's job is easy when you're not the one doing it. Yeah, yeah. So uh, curious to dive into this a little bit further. Obviously, uh, you're more on the cutting edge than probably most coaches out there. So I'll just give a quick tip of the cap to you what are some other things that you're working on here so you know what i i think there's a from a, a you can break the skill stuff down from a tactical or technical standpoint um i think what the biggest thing for us is or definitely for myself is just looking at each guy and and trying to understand what they're capable of and what their efficiencies are and what their deficiencies are and and trying to kind of chip away at that every single day. It could be, uh, and I saw you had posted there on Twitter, like the, the challenge for the month of November is, is make no look passes. Um, and, and I would say that there's a couple defensemen that we have that are, are more offensive guys and looking for different ways, whether it's deception by use of footwork or stick work or, or their eyes or how they handle the puck or, or routes that they take to the puck. And, and I think from a skill development standpoint, those little things are so important. Um, the easiest way to look at it from a coaching standpoint is let's implement something that's great for the team, um, you know, and a skill thing or, or something on the ice or off the ice that's great for the team where we can kind of work on it as a professional and dealing with professional hockey players is, is just let's look at it player by player. We have the time to do it. We have the resources and we have video and, and whatever it is that we can kind of pinpoint something player by player every day. Um, now, I'm sure it would be much easier if there was six other coaches on the ice and Jason and I could just kind of wheel around and talk to the guys the whole practice. Um, but maybe not because we're so involved in the practice. And, you know, I'm out there when we're doing – uh, you know, some of our, our transition drills or some of the stuff that we've, we've posted or I posted online, um, you're right in the drill. Uh, you know, you're challenging the guys, you're boxing out the forwards as they're trying to get to the net. 
Um, and maybe that's the better way to go about doing it. And I would encourage a lot of coaches to get into that as well. Like get into the drill and you're going to see that, um, you know, if your forward goes from the corner to the net underneath you, you, he's going to give defensemen a hell of a time trying to keep him away from the net because he can't watch the puck. Um, but when you're the one playing defense in practice against these guys, you understand that that's a skill. Like that's, that's something that you can utilize or teach. And, and um, I think if we were just kind of sitting off to the side and watching the drill play out, we may not have the same understanding. So yeah, I, I think we could go on for days about some of the skill development stuff and um I try and make myself available online to have those conversations with some of these coaches, especially at the youth levels. Um, What surprised me a ton is, is the amount of junior college coaches that have reached out and said, Hey, we're, you know, we saw this, we're looking for help with this, or what do you do for video? Or, you know, is there something that you're doing individually or as a team? Um, We do things as a group just to, to kind of put it out there, uh, from a video standpoint, we do a lot as a group, but it's involving the players. Like they're, they're so interested and open to having those conversations that I can have a video together uh, for one of my defensemen and show it to the entire team. And they understand that it's not a, there might be 10 teaching clips in that video that, you know, make up a minute and 20 seconds of, of video content. And it's not a shot at that one guy. Um, it, it's just, Hey, this is what we're trying to teach. This is what we see. We could show it to 23 guys in that locker room. And I, I think where coaches would be surprised is the other 22 guys are looking at it and going, wow, I see this. I probably need to do this. Um, you know, Hey, he's really good at that. I think uh, I need to work on that. Um, but again, you need that unity and communication and, and relationship with your group. So. Yeah, it's all, all built on on that trust of like, hey, like my my livelihoods in your hands and your livelihoods in my hands a little bit. Like, how can we make this work? Like, we're both wanting to win. We're both on the same team and both having that mentality um, and having that. I'll call it the infinite game where we're not like what's mine is you know taken from someone else, uh, which sometimes it is. Like, you got to take someone's job, but at the same point, like for winning. There's a lot, lot more to go around when you're winning and doing well, rather than protecting your your own turf. Like there's always problems that arise from that. So I think that's awesome to hear that players and, and the environment more so that you've provided as a coaching staff allows for these discussions to happen where players are happy when other guys are on the PK uh, and they're cheering them on from the bench, or you know we're going through video and okay we're talking through things of like oh how could I have played this better or you know, how can I help you play that better? And just getting that collaborative approach uh, where they're feeling empowered. Cause at the end of the day, as coaches, we, we can't make the decisions if they're passing to that guy or that guy, like they got to make a good quality decision. And the more that we're giving them decision-making off the ice uh, only improves their on the ice decision-making. Sure. For sure. Totally awesome, st- awesome stuff there. So, uh, I'm curious, what's been the difference uh, from going in the junior ranks versus the professional ranks or a place that uh, might be small town America or Canada to a major league city like a Cincinnati? Yeah, I think the uh, so 
the bright lights of, of Cincinnati and, and the major league setting that we're in um, is probably the biggest difference. Uh, I think uh, for us back in Ontario, junior hockey and, and minor hockey is huge. There's so many teams, so many players. And, and um, you know, for us in Cincinnati, there are youth organizations and, and junior hockey you know, at the tier three level. And, and there's some junior hockey around and, and minor hockey, whether it's Columbus or somewhere in Indiana or whatever it may be. But um, we are really the only show in town from a professional standpoint for hockey. Um, and, and so the the pressure not only on us as a staff, but but on the players is is absolutely unbelievable. I mean, you're you're making a mistake in front of 10,000 fans. Um, you know, and I think for some of these young guys that are coming into our league, whether it's from college hockey or, or the Ontario Hockey League or somewhere in the CHL, um, or they played in Europe, maybe they've never played in North America professionally before. Um, it's really an eye opener. Uh, I think for, for Jason and I, we're now at a point, I mean, Jason's in year five, I'm in year two coaching in this league. Um, you kind of get used to it at some point, just understanding that, you know, the, you're going to have fans that are appeased with what you do and you're going to have other fans that you know are, are booing you night in and night out um but for some of the players it's just kind of keeping them level-headed i think that's the biggest biggest difference you're dealing with men and and you mentioned it before this is their livelihood as it is mine and jason's um so just understanding that these are not kids that go home to mom and dad or get driven to the rink uh these are men and some of them have wives and children and um, they have people that they need to take care of as well. And so that mentality has really put me in an, a great opportunity as a young coach to just grow um, because I can have conversations with these players that have been in the league or, or played in the NHL or played in the American League. Um, those important conversations, they happen daily. And, and I think they're so important for growth. I think as coaches, the, the, at the time that we stop learning, that's the time where we just we stop coaching and we find something else to do. And, and um, you know, that's really pushed me to become the person and the coach that I am. And, and I think it's so important. And that may be the biggest coaching hack is just like you get an opportunity to talk hockey with somebody you got to take that opportunity. It doesn't matter if it's what we're doing right now on a podcast or uh, just shooting a message to somebody on Twitter to say, hey, uh, you know, you coached UMass and saw you guys beat Vermont. Uh, it's phenomenal. Is there anything that stood out from your game that, you know, led to you guys winning that that huge game? And that that answer back might be something as simple as, you know, our power play was phenomenal. You should go watch it. And, and you know, I think when you can take small steps like that, um, it's bigger than hockey. It's relationship building. I mean, we've met online. It's, it's an awesome opportunity to be able to talk to you on your podcast here. And we've had phone calls in the past and, and I hope to continue that relationship, but it doesn't make a difference whether it's an NHL coach or a minor hockey coach or a player. Um, you can learn from everybody. I love that. Learning from everyone, whether it be good or bad, uh, you're like, oh, I don't like that. Don't do that. Or, hey, I like this. You know, I'm going to steal that and do it. Um, and, and I love the point you made about having the ability to have conversations. Um, and I can sense that it was starting to go beyond the ice, like handling pressure or a, a really stressful situation. I mean, uh, particularly at your level, like, you know, these are adults. Uh, these are truly men. 
that have real life consequences if they get injured or something doesn't go well. And it's extremely terrifying for a lot of these guys, right? It's not like the NHL where they've got an NHL pension to go back on or a big league paycheck to fall back on. And just I can imagine how the conversations and what impact you're having on their lives are just beyond the rink is. And it's probably the same way back to you of you, you're getting real human beings. You know, the, there might be some egos, but it's probably a little bit less than, you know, 10 I got $10 million egos, <laughs> uh, you know, like, no, no, like truly we need each other. And let's, let's all relate here. We're all humans trying to make the, the best of it that we can. Um, and what that's like, is there any conversations uh, that really stuck out to you of like, wow, this is way bigger than hockey or like I just changed the trajectory of someone's life or they've changed mine in a big way. Yeah, I, I think there's uh, and again, and, and way to way to just drop a big one on you. So no, no pressure no, here. No, it, you know, again, like I, I know uh, with the group that we have that, you know, I can be open and honest with, with anybody, not just with them, but, um, you know, family is a big one. Uh, relationships are a big one. Uh, I know for myself, like I have a, a son that, you know, turns one year in, in two weeks and um, he's back home in Ontario and based on our schedule and how much travel we do, um, I get an opportunity to see him when you know, can come down and visit when, when we have the time or when I have the a home schedule that fits, but you know, my family doesn't live down here with me. Um, you know, so it leaves a little more time for conversations outside of the rink. Um, but you know, I count on these guys as well, just as much as they count on me, you know, you need people around you, um, every single day. It's just the nature of us as human beings. So, um, you know, we do have a, a few players on our team that have families or have, like I said, a wife or, or children. And, uh, you know, we're not as fortunate as maybe the American League or the NHL where financials are a little better, travel schedules a little better. Um, you know, the places that you live are a little better and, and you can kind of run your, your family life and your hockey life, you know, and they kind of go together where here, uh, at our level, everybody's trying to make it to the next level for that reason. Um, you know, there's hockey and then there's the family stuff and, and financial stuff. And so uh, a lot of the conversations are, are, you know, with those guys are kind of surrounded around, you know, we have this or we're going to Iowa for five days or we're going to Utah for a week. You know, um, do we have any idea of the schedule or what we're doing there? Because I'm going to let my wife know. Or I want to let my girlfriend know or fiance or you know, I need to arrange for the kids to be somewhere. Um, you know, and, and again, if you have the luxury of of playing in the NHL and making ten million, and your nanny's going to watch your kids every day, it really doesn't make a difference. Um, you know, you just pay the nanny, and the nanny does what they have to do with the kids, and everybody's fine. But uh, yeah, th those kind of conversations are are great. They can get a little emotional at times, and I think that that vulnerability and relationship with your players is so important um away from the rink like it's one thing to have that in the rink and and you know you had mentioned it earlier like we don't know everything as coaches just like we don't know everything as human beings or business owners or or whatever it may be um the more you can get ahead of that or the, the easier time you have getting ahead of that uh and communicating that to the people that you work with or, or you spend time with the easier everybody's life is going to be and i think for you know for me i'm 33 years old 
I have two players on this team in Justin Vibe and Louis Caparuso that, you know, we're the same age. We grew up together, played in the GTHL. Like I'm coaching guys that are the same age as I am. I'm coaching guys that, you know, we had a Jesse Schultz last year, uh, you know, who was seven years older than I was. Um, so the, there's a lot of similarities in the lives that we live and, and just being able to, again, have those honest conversations about non-hockey stuff. Um, it makes things real. Maybe that's the best way to look at it. You know, it's, we're not just uh, robotic coaches and, Hey, I'm going to coach here at the rink and then I'm done. You're, you're a real person and you, you have real relationships with people. Real. I love that word. Real. It's real. It's not this fake baloney, phony stuff. Uh, I feel like every person uh, in the entire world is looking for a good, real conversation. And, and too often do we put on faces of like everything's great or perfect or, you know, just mislead in general for many various reasons, but just being straight, like, eh, here's what I got. Like I'm here to help. Here's I've done my work, and, you know, doing the best I can. You do the same and well, nice real time together. For sure. For sure. So that's awesome. Um, wonderful having you on. Is there anything else that you want to talk about or bring up? while I have you here. Otherwise I'd love to hear more about that open ice rink. I went down to Cincinnati and I was blown away. You guys already had an ice rink downtown, just hanging outdoors. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, it's, it's not that cold yet. Yeah. I, you know what, the, the only thing like that I would mention is, is again, um, we're, we're open to anybody. Jason's the same way. Um, I know sometimes it, you know, people's lives get a little busy, but um, you know, whether it's, it's on Twitter or by email or text message, like just reach out. Um, if there's any help that you need, uh, you know, and, and you know it for yourself, but you know, any minor hockey coaches, junior hockey coaches, um, you know, really any, any kind of coaches or teachers or, or business people, like just reach out, we're available. Um, you know, we, we say the same thing to our players, like your, your families can reach out at any time, like anything they want to talk about. I think you're, you open yourself up the the fear with, um, maybe doing that, not just as a coach, but, you know, just as, as a person is like, Hey, there's going to be some conversations that maybe somebody's going to bring up that you don't want to get into. Um, and, and I think when that's the case, uh, you should be willing to communicate that. Um, you know, and I think about myself as a minor hockey coach and, and I've had minor hockey coaches reach out and say, Hey, you know, how do you have conversations with your players about ice time? Um, that's, that's the biggest thing at, at any level and probably with any sport, but like, you know, ice time is such a, a huge conversation and it's so scary for coaches to think about having that conversation with a parent or with a family member or with the player themselves. And, um, Again, I think if you can honestly sit there and, and say to whoever, you know, hey, this is a hard conversation that maybe we can have, but um, it may get a little too intense to have that conversation. Like that honesty is so important. But yeah, I, that that's the only thing that I would add, Greg, is like anybody that needs help, just reach out and, and find a way. I mean, we're all connected somehow and, and the world is such that whether it's Twitter or Instagram, LinkedIn, Snapchat. I mean, we, we have our phones or computers on us 24 seven. So, um, you know, for Jason and I, we're both available. Uh, we're open to talking to anybody about anything. Um, it's important for us to grow as people and as hockey coaches, but, um, just putting ourselves out to, to the community and not just the hockey community, but 
um, you know, we're, we're here to help. That's who we are as people. So. Awesome. Uh, I, I can't top that. So I'm just to say thank you, Alex, so much for coming on here. Someone reach out to Alex already. Give the guy a conversation. He clearly wants one. No, no, this is awesome, man. Uh, hope you guys have more success and continue to have it. You guys obviously are off to a strong season here to start. Uh, what, 7 0 and one Yep. Uh, yep. Pretty fantastic and, and clearly has a lot to do with the work you guys have put in. Uh, beforehand, before the season gets going, setting these expectations, having the conversations and everything else that we talked about. So uh, thank you so much. Uh, if anyone sees the Cyclones coming through town, definitely reach out to Alex and buy him a beer or coffee. Uh, I love that. Thanks, Greg. No, and I appreciate the opportunity. And I, I look forward to chatting again. That concludes this week's episode. Thanks for joining us here at Hockey IQ. If you haven't already, take a quick moment to hit that subscribe button, give us a thumbs up, and drop a review. If you want to be a great teammate, even recommend us to a friend. You can follow us at Hockey's Arsenal on Twitter and Instagram. Check out the website, hockeysarsenal.com, where you can subscribe to the weekly newsletter. You won't regret it. Catch a Buttes here next week for a brand new episode.